Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 24 Sleep eluded Baz for most of the night. He'd grown up hearing tales of Tome's dangers, but actually living those stories was never a prospect he'd ever considered. Even once the journey had begun and he'd bargained with Deliritus to help him complete the trials, Tome had been some abstract idea at the end of a long tunnel. But now it was almost here, and Deliritus wouldn't be with them at all. It would all be up to Baz. First, there were all the general hazards of walking around a ruined city. Falling debris, concealed holes in the ground, that sort of thing. That could be managed with a bit of caution, of course. Far more dangerous were the cityless raiders who frequented the ruins, searching for valuables and supplies in the long-dead city. Run into a sufficiently large group of cityless, and Baz didn't care how good Rox was with that razor of his, they'd be dead, sure as if that dragon's fire had hit them full on. And there were, of course, Marla and Hellar. There was a chance that Marla had been in the ruins for days already, even having taken the longer route through the Emerald Woods, with the delays Baz and his companions had experienced, she may have reached Tome ahead of them. He supposed there was a chance she'd found a book already and left, though he certainly wasn't going to bet on that. Hellar would arrive around the same time they did. The scribe's old power prevented fire breathers from drawing close to Tome, so even if Trunnel had maintained control of that dragon across the entirety of the Firelands, he and Hellar would have been forced to relinquish it at the ruins' outskirts and walk. The prospect of running into them was little better than that of facing Marla. Hellar would likely put rocks under a spell and trick him into slicing Baz's head off. Now there was a perfect image to conjure when trying to find sleep. Baz tossed and turned some more. Seeing the sun's first rays over the horizon was a relief, as it meant Baz no longer had to roll about on his sleeping pallet, searching in vain for slumber. He rose, picked up his hat from where it lay on the ground beside him, and put it on, then went to find Aramir. The book dragon had returned to the cave only briefly the night before to ensure Baz and Rox had not needed anything, before stating that he was setting out to retrieve their mounts. The sun was just poking above the horizon as Baz exited the cave, illuminating the clearing in gold and orange. At this early hour, the sky appeared uncorrupted. He could have been anywhere in oration rather than on the doorstep of extreme peril. 
The image of rocks dispossessing him of his head flashed across Baz's mind once more. He shuddered and hurried from the cave. The book dragon wasn't far from the cave entrance. He was floating lazily in the air, humming under his breath, a sound like a gentle breeze. It forced a smile to Baz's face despite his fatigue and worry. A team of horses was gathered beneath the dragon. Grain floated out of several barrels at the center of them, and the animals were eating it right out of the air, munching contentedly. Baz was surprised to see that two of the horses were indeed the ones he and Rox had ridden all the way from erstwhile. Aramir rotated above the horses, eyes closed and grinning. How do you do it? Baz asked. The book dragon opened one eye, continuing to hum in between speaking. Do what? Baz shivered at the sound of the dragon's voice. It seemed even more mystical than the day before, like the sound of mist hanging in the air. You call upon the power of the elements like a bound, but you have no books. Aramir continued to revolve in the air without responding, continuing his hummed tune. He remained silent for so long, Baz thought he must not have heard. But finally, he said, It was Pront V. Lexdor's gift to the book dragons. He illuminated us with the inks of the books, and we became like them. Like them. Baz's brows lowered. Aramir spoke like it was nothing, casting spells without books, as if it didn't fly in the face of common knowledge. That easy, huh? Aramir opened both eyes. It was not easy, young orator. Unlike our ancient brethren, book dragons were not born able to call upon the elements. The elements. Prontvi Lextor had to alter us, infuse the power of the elements into our blood, our blood, changing it at the most fundamental of levels. The process was difficult, was difficult. Many did not survive. Baz winced, Tax's pained cries from that terrible day ten years ago coming unbidden to his mind. The Enigma must have been a cruel man to put you through that. Cruel? Aramir said. No, you misunderstand. You misunderstand. Each of us volunteered. It was a great honor. Great honor. Pront V. Lextor was trying to restore the orators to their old powers, and we were helping. Were helping. Old powers? Baz murmured. You mean men could once call upon the elements as you can, without being bound? The book dragon continued to regard Baz as he rotated above the feeding horses. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The Dark Ones ruined Pront V. Lextor's work. Sometimes, Aramir closed his eyes once more. Sometimes I still hear their voices when I sleep. I sleep. Their voices? Baz's stomach was suddenly filled with dread. It hadn't been so long ago that he had heard strange voices. That night when Marla and Hellar had betrayed Deliritus. 
Rox's heavy footfalls forestalled any further conversation with the book dragon. It is time, the harbor said. Deliritus rests and will not stir. You will see to him while I am gone, illumined one. I am oath-bound to him. Aramir floated over to Rox, looking him in the face. It was strange to see anything at eye level with the giant man. For all of Baz's life, Rox had always been the tallest thing around. I will protect your truth like my own. My own. Rox bowed to Aramir, and then there was nothing to do but be on with it. Baz took up the book pack, and Rox carried his razor over one shoulder and a pack with food, water, and some simple supplies over the other. Then they were climbing onto Aramir's back and soaring over the Firelands once more. How many others like you are there, Aramir? Baz asked as they flew. The book dragon hummed in a manner that reminded Baz of a dark cloud, causing him to shift uncomfortably on the dragon's back. Very few. Many of us were lost when the shelves fell. Shelves fell. And a few more of us are killed each year. There are many who mean us harm. Us harm. Baz was certainly not one for sentiment, but after having seen Aramir with those animals at his clearing, he had a difficult time imagining anyone wishing to do the book dragon harm. The Cityless? Baz asked. Cityless? Aramir repeated. Ah, the seekers of transcendence. No, they are friends. Our friends. But others find us far more valuable dead than breathing. Than breathing. That made little sense to Baz, but before he could press the dragon, they passed through a cloud, and the ruins of Tome came into full view. All further thought of speech left Baz. It was at once a humbling and harrowing sight. The city had obviously been vast, stretching for miles in every direction. At its center was a single spire poking into the sky like the upraised finger of a man victorious, it was built of a gray-blue stone, dotted with windows all the way up its massive height. It seemed largely intact, save for its roof, which obviously had been sheared off, the upper level exposed, edges of ruined bricks punctuating the sky. The buildings around the tower were another story. Even from great distance, it was apparent they were now little more than piles of rocks, rubble heaps covered in centuries-old decay, each one rendered more a tragedy by the enduring splendor of the great library's tower, its condition signaling how great the structures must once have been. Aramir began to descend, and soon the buildings were lost from view. He touched down on the great road, the marsh of the Firelands mostly behind them, the landscape replaced by dry, rocky soil and the occasional dead tree. Aramir looked with large, sad eyes in the direction of Tome, then shook his great head, ears flopping about his skull. This is as far as I may go, may go, farther than I should have gone. You are nearly across the paper fields already, 
fields already. Aramir looked around nervously, as if some unseen force might attack him at any moment for venturing too close to the sight of his long-ago failure. You must walk from here, from here. Still at a loss for words over the sight of Tome, Baz slid off the dragon's back without comment, rocks following him. Besides, it was closer than he'd been expecting to get. Taking them so far into the weeping plains saved them at least a full day of riding on horses. After taking a few moments to get his legs back underneath him, Baz turned to the direction of Tome. Young orator, come here the book dragon said. Baz looked back to Aramir. He was still looking around with obvious anxiety, but his wide eyes beckoned. Baz approached, stopping directly in front of Aramir's furry face, his mustaches waving as he breathed in and out. As I said, I cannot take you farther, you farther, but I do wish to aid you as I can. You did save me. Save me. Around my neck there is a leather thong. Take what is in it. In it. Baz hesitated for a moment, but then approached the dragon and felt through his fur until he found the thong and the pouch attached to it. His hand closed around a glass vial within, and he pulled it free. As it came out into the morning light, Baz gasped. A viscous liquid glowed within, swirling about the container as if it had free will. Baz couldn't say what color it was. Each time he looked, it seemed to be a different one of the five hues of the elemental quintet. What is it? Baz whispered. Blood, Rox said in a reverential tone. The illumined one's blood. There is no greater gift. Rox held out a hand toward the vial and Baz placed it in his giant palm. Rox handled it like he'd handled Valyritus's unmoving body, like a fragile child requiring the utmost care. I cannot go into the city, Aramir said, but there are those there who will help you. Help you. Give it to the keepers of what remains. Tell them it is freely given as proof of friendship. Of friendship and as partial payment of a debt that cannot be satisfied. Be satisfied. They will understand. Now go. I will return to this spot each day when the sun is highest. If you survive, I will take you back to your friend at my home. My home. The keepers of what remains? Baz asked, still gazing at the vial of blood in Rox's outstretched palm. Aramir shook his head. Their secrets are not for me to tell. You will know them. Know them. With that, Aramir made as if to go, but Baz stopped him. Aramir, wait! Baz eyed Rox, but the giant man was still staring at the vial. Baz inched closer to the book dragon. You said you wish to help however you can? Aramir huffed out, blowing his mustaches straight up. I did not use those words, but if there is something you need, ask, and I will do so if able. If able. 
Baz leaned close to the book dragon's ear and whispered into it. When he had finished, Aramir cocked his head, his eyeballs rolling about in their sockets. Not a simple thing you ask, you ask. But yes, I will do it for you, young orator. May the scribes watch over you, over you. And with that, Aramir floated up into the sky and was quickly lost among the clouds. Baz let out a long breath. Well, I don't know if the scribes will watch over me, but at least I've got your towering hulk, Rox. That's something, I suppose. Rox gave a rumble that might have been a scoff or an assent, or maybe even a chuckle. Let's get on with it, then. This book isn't going to find itself. You want to hold on to that for now? Baz motioned at the vial of dragon's blood still in Rox's outstretched palm. He'd no idea what use they'd have for it, but Aramir and Rox both seemed to think it worth more than a library full of books. The harbor nodded and tucked the vial into an inner pocket of his tunic. Don't crush it or anything now, Baz said to the big man. This time, Rox's rumble was undoubtedly a scoff. Baz gave a wry chuckle, then set off in the direction of Tome, the giant harbor trailing behind him. If the book dragon actually did as Baz had asked, perhaps he'd have a fighting chance of surviving once he got back to Erstwhile. All he had to do was find a single spoken book and stay breathing. How difficult could it be? Uh, let's see. What should I pose with for this thumbnail? I don't know. We'll see how that looks. <clears throat> Thanks for listening to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, Give this video a thumbs up if you liked it, and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. DT Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author. Or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.